Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Airway First, the podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is the one and only Joy Muller. An international leader in myofunctional therapy, Joy has worked in private practice as a myofunctional therapist since 1980. She graduated from the Myofunctional Therapy Institute in Coral Gables, Florida, and had an extensive internship in oral facial myology. Joy's background of dental hygiene led the way for further studies, and she has taught and continues to teach the principles of myofunctional therapy to graduate and postgraduate students at numerous universities as an adjunct professor and as a guest speaker. You can find out more about Joy at joymoller.com. And now let's jump into my interview with today's very special guest, Joy Moller. All right, great. Thank you so much for being here today, Joy. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, good. My pleasure. Anytime I can educate anyone about my passion. I I love it. I love it. And for those that that don't know about you, I'll make sure to include your full bio in the show notes. And, you know, I've heard about you for quite some time now, and I finally got to hear you speak a few months ago at an event with your son, Mark. Um, So for people that don't know about you and, and your story, I'd like to start there and just talk a little bit about your journey with your son, Brian, and how that's you know developed into this passion that has now been your career. Mm-hmm. Well, it started in 1980, um, actually in 1978, I, I was a dental hygienist. I had been teaching at Indiana University. And my son, my youngest son, Brian, had all kinds of airway issues, and we didn't know what was wrong with him. He was born with severe colic, and he couldn't sleep for a year, more than 20 minutes. So it was was really hard, and I tried everything. I knew that there was something going on. I know it was a very difficult birth. He was a breach. He turned in the canal, and... um, I tried everything from taking him to every doctor I could think of, including like Mayo Clinic and all different places to try to figure out why he was not able to sleep. Mm -hmm. He had failure to thrive. Um, They took his tonsils and adenoids out at age three, which they never did back in those years, but he couldn't breathe, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat anything. He had stomach aches constantly. And then it went into headaches constantly. He would wake up with headaches. And, you know, I kept taking him to one doctor after another. And then I tried all the traditional and untraditional stuff like acupuncture and um, chiropractors. And we tried everything. And nothing helped really. And by the time he was six or seven, he couldn't go to school because his head hurt so bad. Mm. He was he he was real little for his age. And my husband and I were both very tall. And my other son was very tall. 
And um, I just was watching my child die, basically. I took him to nutritionists and psychologists and um, everyone under the sun I could think of from physical therapy to everyone. And finally, he was diagnosed um, by a neurologist. They, they said, perhaps we could do an exploratory brain procedure. Uh. And at the time, my husband was transferred to San Diego, California, and um, I started working in a dental office that did more uh, holistic treatment. Uh, he was a TMJ specialist, a jaw specialist. Uh -huh. And he said, well, before you do that, let me take a look at him. And I said, sure. And he said, you know, his tongue is in the wrong place. And after that, I was like, what? I never heard of something. <laughs> he said, you know, the roof of your mouth is the house for the tongue. And his tongue is always down it. I said, well, he breathes through his mouth all the time, but I mean, that's all, you know, I took him to an ENT, an allergist. I took him mm -hmm. to all the traditional. And no one said anything, yeah. Well, they said, well, cut out dairy or, you know, but nothing helped really. Mm -hmm. um, and they took his tonsils out, but apparently that wasn't enough because he still couldn't sleep and he still had headaches. And so he said, <clears throat> I just took a class in myofunctional therapy. I'm going to give you some exercises to do for his tongue, to get his tongue working. And I want you to see an osteopathic physician. And there were only two in the country back in 1980. And mm -hmm. luckily one was in San Diego. So I, I took him to a, a, an osteopath. I didn't even know what an osteopath was. A deal, a doctor. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm going to make a little bite splint to make his mouth a little wider. <clears throat> well, I was willing to try anything. Of within, course. Within three weeks, his headache stopped. And then he started eating. He would eat two meals at a time. We'd go to a mm. restaurant. He'd say, no, I'll, I'll eat both meals, mom. And he would just eat like crazy. And he was sleeping. And then three or four months later, his teeth started straightening out. He had this real tiny little mouth with crowding. I, I was like, I have to learn this. I have to learn everything about this. So I went back to school, studied everything in the field. At the time, there was a, an institute in Florida. I went there, then I joined another organization and studied everything. And I started practicing. And then I started teaching courses back in the 1980s. And I've been all over the world going to universities and trying to educate doctors, but to make a change in our healthcare system is very difficult. Right. So I'm happy to be here to share my information. I, I just finished writing a book. It's called, Is Your Tongue Killing You? And, and that should be ready in about three or four months, hopefully. And I have a lot of 
co-authors writing it with me. So let me, um, without further ado, let me share my screen. Okay. And I'll show you some slides that I think people would enjoy seeing here. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a speaker with Annenberg, which is uh, a nonprofit. So these are some disclosures, but actually myofunctional therapy has been around since the 19, early 1900s. And it's kind of been pushed under the rug because it does it did not include orthodontics at that time. There's a lot of politics involved. But these are some of the disorders to look for the tension around the mouth when you swallow. I'm not um, actually seeing the presentation, just so you know, Joy. Oh, okay. Did you share the screen? Um, you'll need to do it. It's at the bottom there. It should say share screen. Um, oh, okay. Let me go back. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no worries. Ah, here it is. Okay, now you can probably see all my scribbles here. <laughs> Not that one. There we go. Perfect. Awesome. So these are some of the disorders to look for, the, the tension around the mouth when they swallow. And that's because the tongue is coming forward and <clears throat> in order to stop the food from coming out of your mouth, it's a learned behavior to tense. And the forward head posture, mm -hmm. the overdeveloped chin muscle, these are some of the, the open bites. It could be an anterior or posterior open bite. There's a lot of research now <clears throat> showing that it helps sleep apnea of 50% in adults and 62% in, in children, which is statistically significant. Right, that is huge. The tongue is actually not a muscle, the tongue is an organ and it's connected with fascial tissue all the way to your feet. So it can affect posture and growth and development. And I will tell you the first time I saw this was when I heard you present. Mm. I did not know that until I heard you speak. Really? Really. I, and that just, that blows my mind. <clears throat> so many doctors don't realize it. It's no. probably mm -hmm. the least diagnosed most important part of your body. The tongue mm. is actually a respiratory organ. It's not a muscle. It has 16 muscles in it and it's related to everything from sleep apnea to orthodontic relapse, posture problems, um, all the way up to learning and behavior issues for children. I know Brian, after his airway was open, he started reading books like crazy. He was just, mm -hmm. was amazing. 
to watch the change. He could focus, yeah. He could focus. And it, it also affects nutrition, speech, and, and pain, whether it be headaches or jaw pain. The muscles of your head and neck are all connected to each other, which it's different from other muscles. There's over 58 muscles in your head and neck that are all connected. And this just shows how, oh, this was a speech pathologist who painted his face so people could understand how the muscles are all connected. Oh, wow. Yeah. So these are just some of the muscles of the tongue. I'm going to go into the anatomy too much, but it's pretty involved. And what is proper oral rest postures? The entire tongue is resting in the palate. Uh, it's that back part that I think is, is so wild. The back um, of the tongue is important. The teeth mm -hmm. are slightly apart and the hands are away from your face. So everybody thinks they have to clench their teeth together for a proper bite, but it's not that way. The teeth are apart and the tongue is supporting the jaw and the, the head and neck. And there are doctors now that believe this, that the tongue is a respiratory organ. This is a very famous doctor from Japan. And you can see how it changes the form and function. If you swallow by at least 500 to 1,000 times a day with four pounds of pressure, which is like 55 grams per centimeter, which is a lot of force, mm -hmm. change the way people swallow, the skull will change. I've seen it over and over again. And posture changes. So... And we, we can help in many ways in, in prevention as well as detection, mm -hmm. help with pain. This is just a video from the Mayo Clinic. When you breathe, air oh. travels down your throat, through your windpipe, and so into cool. your lungs. The narrowest part of that pathway is in the back of your throat. When you're awake, muscles keep that pathway relatively wide open. But when you sleep, those muscles relax, allowing the opening to narrow. The air passing through this narrowed opening may cause the throat to vibrate. That causes snoring, which many people experience. But in some people, the throat closes so much that enough air can't get through to the lungs. When this happens, the brain sends an alarm to open the airway. Most often, this is associated with a brief arousal from sleep. The brain quickly reactivates the muscles that hold the throat open. Air gets through again, and the brain goes back to sleep. This disorder is called obstructive sleep apnea. So snoring, it has been you, like, it, 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 it has been like discounted, like everybody snores and it's really normal. Right. When your child snores, that's danger. That's that, an alarm. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not getting enough air. And it's something that you need to follow and, and, and watch because uh, 
it's very dangerous. I'm gonna go quickly through these. <clears throat> so the open bites can change. Mm -hmm. When when the tongue is pushing forward, it can change things. It's a combination of form and function working together. And you could see how the tongue may be a natural palate expander. This is hard work. I like working collaboratively with a dentist that understands forward and widthwise growth and mm -hmm. can help. But this is possible with just the tongue in a child. So the atypical swallowing is what we deal with. And we see. And when you say it's possible, you once they know where to use the tongue, you know, where to place it, it actually works as a palate expander. It can yes. push the teeth where they're supposed to go. Yes. Kind of. It's, it's hard work for the patient, for the therapist. Sure. A lot of times we, I, personally, I like to work collaborative, collaboratively with uh, dentists and physicians. Um, I have a private practice in Pacific Palisades, California, and I work alone, but I do uh, refer when it's necessary. Now, this I did just with exercises. She had an open bite after braces. Mm. And here's a, a, a bilateral open bite. And gum disease, you know, being a dental hygienist, you know, the tongue is pushing against the teeth that can weaken the bone. And also if your mouth breathing, the bacteria is much more virulent and can cause bone loss. This, I like this picture because you can really see this is the house for the tongue. Mm -hmm. And if it's not up there, it collapses. Mm. And a because of that V-shape. Mm -hmm. A high narrow palate is definitely one sign of obstructive sleep apnea. I'm going to show a lot of videos. But here, I really like this because you can see this is a normal tongue rest position. That This pink part is your tongue. And you take a bite and your, the front part of your tongue pushes against this bone, it's a, called the premaxilla. It's a real thick bone. And then you swallow the food down. And there's a valve in your throat that says, okay, this is food going down to the stomach. So it, it, it closes the valve into the airway. But in an abnormal tongue thrust swallow, and that's what myofunctional therapists treat, the tongue is resting against the teeth, the tongue collapses and air develops, like it gets trapped right here. And then you take a bite of food and your tongue pushes against the teeth and you swallow air. That big clump mm. of air goes down. And so you, you get this condition called, called aerophasia where kids swallow air and they, they feel bloated after they eat, they're not hungry. And 
this what we call peristalsis, which is the movement of food going down. Instead of it going down, it's now um, confused. And so there's a backwards movement of the food and that causes acid reflux, what we call GERD. Mm -hmm. And it can cause a lot of problems. Also, if a child is mouth breathing, then they can't smell, they, they lose their appetite. And so they become picky eaters when they're not chewing their food, because if they're mouth breathing, they're not chewing because their brain thinks their mouth is their nose. So they're not chewing their food and they're not getting the digestive enzymes. The parotid gland has all these enzymes that break food down and they're missing it. So they have constant belly aches and their sense of smell. They don't, they don't, they can't smell the food and they just, they don't want to chew anything. So they reach for soft food only. The worst thing you could give your child is the pouches mm. because they're not, not getting, they're not chewing. They're not chewing anything. And, and the newborn palate is as soft as a drum and it can be changed by forces of the tongue. And that's why breastfeeding is so important. If you're breastfeeding properly, uh, this this starts talking about tongue ties. If you haven't seen this video, it's only a couple minutes, but it's ultrasound of a breastfeeding infant shows just how important the tongue is in obtaining milk from the nipple. Although looking at an ultrasound video may be confusing, let's take a closer look what is going on with the help of an animation. Note that the tongue moves not only back and forth, but also vertically. Without both these motions, which may be constricted by a tongue tie, breastfeeding may become difficult and painful. Anterior tongue tie constricts the tongue motion shown in blue, which is the front part of the tongue. The area shown in red is constricted by a posterior tongue tie, which limits the tongue's vertical motion in the back. When the tongue is effective and painless, breastfeeding occurs. So I see a lot of children now that are tongue-tied and adults. Um, they're given a sippy cup with a spout, which is the wrong thing. It's best to just let them drink out of a little cup as soon as they can sit up. Mm -hmm. But also you want to avoid pacifiers because that pushes the tongue down. And soft baby food that teaches the child they don't have to chew anything. So there's this whole uh, movement called baby-led weaning where the mm -hmm. child chew. Of course, I'm very anti-bottle, very anti um you know, artificial infant milk, especially. What do you recommend for, for moms that can't be there during the day to feed their children? If they pump, I mean, are there certain bottles that are okay to use? I No, 
Okay. It's best the mom to be there, but if it's absolutely impossible, I think the mom should have the baby uh, breastfeed before they leave for work. And then if they can come home for lunch, it's ideal. And then after work as, uh, to do it, or if they can work at home. I mean, I, my hat's off to mothers to know what the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to be a stay-at-home mom for until the baby doesn't want to breastfeed anymore. That's okay. but it's hard in you know, the right. world. Sure. And we want them to breastfeed for at least two years, right? That would be ideal. No. The current thinking is the baby breastfeeds until they don't want it anymore. And it could be as okay. early, it could be as early as nine months. And it could be as late as six or seven years if they have severe allergies. Oh, okay. So that's the baby led weaning. So literally they will guide it what they based on what they need. Well, baby led weaning is more on introducing food. The food. Okay. Um, this is uh, breastfeeding information that is was given to me by Shelly Marmet, who pioneered and conceptualized the whole field of lactation consulting. She she was uh, the one who first said, we've got to go back to breastfeeding because we're not doing the right thing by giving up bottles. It's hard to go back because if you're being bottle fed, the baby has an easy time getting the milk out. The baby doesn't have to strain their tongue to go up, but the palate will collapse. Baby leg weaning, we talked about, it's more for eating, introducing solid foods. Okay. This is my grandson. You can see he's 10 years old now, but when okay, he's like baby, medium chops. He did baby led weaning. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> You're double fisting there. No teeth. Looking good. No teeth, but he's doing it. Some extra but he's eating me. Olive oil straight from Italy. <laughs> he still likes lamb chunks. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I have a feeling you like them because I ate them a lot when you were in my building. <laughs> So yeah. this is, this looks good, but a lot of doctors are, or people are afraid their child yeah. is going to choke mm -hmm. on, on the food, you know, and the truth of the matter is they choke less when they're given the opportunity, as soon as they can sit up, as soon as they have that, that ability to put something into their mouth. If you start the baby led weaning, then if you wait till their teeth come in when they're 11 or 12 months old, it's it's too late because they haven't developed the proprioception. That's when they choke more. Okay. Start out with just, uh, you know, something like a piece of cantaloupe or a banana or something soft and they get used to uh, moving it around and gumming it enough mm -hmm. so they know not to swallow down the wrong hatch it's developing a proprioception okay 
But these things are dangerous. And, you know, when I when they first came out, I was livid against them because I, it's processed food, even if it's mm -hmm. organic. It's, it's teaching a child that they don't have to chew anything. Mm -hmm. And their teeth will suffer. And... Is pureed baby food even necessary? It, it was developed in the 1930s for the war effort. Um, and I know you had Kevin Boyd on here. And he, he it's totally unnecessary to have baby food. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those times I've mentioned it before, but if a mom is hearing this for the first time, I'll tell them the same thing I said when I heard it from Kevin Boyd. Don't do the guilt. You didn't know. We used to puree and make our own, thinking we were doing such a great thing. You know, we were making it ourselves, so it was healthy. We I didn't know. know. I know. We, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. You do the best you can, but, you know, we didn't have blenders. So the baby would just reach over and grab one off, something off our plate in, in mm -hmm. the 1920s, you know, before all this. Right. And it's, it, it's just different. And our skulls, as a result of it, are getting mm -hmm. swollen. And we're not eating the right foods. We're eating more processed foods. Children today like pasta. I know, because I have four grandkids, and this is what they want to eat. We go out to dinner. Pasta macaroni and cheese, mm -hmm. uh, smoothies, nuggets, chicken, <laughs> chicken nuggets, everything has to be melt in your mouth or they won't mm -hmm. eat it. Mm -hmm. And so we have to go back to eating real food, meat, fruits, and vegetables. So. It's hard because we see a lot of chewing disorders. People don't chew or chew on one side and their face grows funny and they, they miss that stimulation. So they're constantly putting things in their mouth and their mm. muscles are, are not working right. Yeah. So, um, it can cause okay, so jaw problems. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about sleep position. Okay. Which way is correct to sleep? It's best to sleep on your back, uh, not your sides. When you sleep on your sides, you, you smash your nose. But you have to look at why are people sleeping on their back? or not sleeping on their back. And most of it is tongue tie, because if your tongue is restricted, it's gonna fall into your airway, mm -hmm. your back. So to get the tongue working will enable the posture to be better. Sometimes and so the side is not the right way to sleep? No, because when you're on your side, you're pushing your lower jaw off to one side. Oh, okay. Back. It's best to sleep on your back. Okay. If you can't, you can elevate the headboard the size of a brick. 
but also you you want to get your tongue released because if you have a tongue tie and that will also help your neck if your tongue is restrictive it can't go up especially the back of the tongue with a posterior tongue tie mm -hmm. <laughs> what happens is you choke on food and and you're, you'll choke on your tongue and that's where the snoring and the sleep apnea comes in so to release the tongue is is really this just shows uh, the lips open and uh and okay open that's the little okay, now screen the underneath but if you see this divot if you stick your mm -hmm. tongue out it curls up that's a posterior tongue tie mm, okay <laughs> okay okay um now can you do a tongue pop the hard see it mm -hmm. okay can you put your tongue into your cheek other cheek see how the mm -hmm. the lower jaw moves mm -hmm. this is one that had i'll it again Open the jaw again. Open. Okay. It is just okay. Now relax and now pull, bring it up. <laughs> okay. So the big thing is <clears throat> you have to look at these problems because if you don't correct it as a baby, as a young child, You'll have the, the jaw problems and the sleep issues. This is one of our students who uh, took the course to treat herself. This was for oh, wow. her. You can see how her palate expanded naturally. And you said four months? Four months of treatment. She wasn't done yet, but you could see how her mandible came forward because her airway. Mm -hmm. So wow. Each. Um, a lingual freedom is so important to treat. It's it's probably the least looked at problem but it's the most important. You're listening to Airway First with today's guest, Joy Muller. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for parents and medical professionals, including videos, blogs, recommended reading, a comprehensive medical research library, podcast, and so much more. We also encourage parents to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. 
You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or parent that's interested in being a guest on our show, or do you have an idea for an upcoming episode? Then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website, or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Joy Moeller. I personally had my tongue released when I was in my 50s. And immediately I could sleep better. So just really important. Why do you think that is something that that it's one of the least looked at? Why don't we look at it more? Mostly because doctors and dentists were not taught that in school, how to do it or why to do it. And so as a result, they're not comfortable. There's a lot of arteries and all kind of muscles and fibers under mm-hmm. the tongue. And so they have to take a continuing education course. Most of the doctors that are doing it have had a child or somebody in their family that benefited. But also it can help your um, posture. This is four months of myofunctional and a tongue release. That's amazing. Look at his head, how far back that is now. Yeah. That's amazing. Helps your brain work better. Now, this is one of my patients who, he had an orthodontic relapse. And when it was finished one year, you could see how his teeth changed tremendously and his jaw changed. Mm-hmm. His ability to do sports was so much better that he won a scholarship for college. Wow. School. Yeah. Complete scholarship. So this just shows a little, one of my patients who his father was a pediatrician at UCLA and he had been diagnosed with Tourette's. This is Thomas, and Thomas is just starting myofunctional therapy today. He couldn't control it. November 18, 2016. Okay. Okay. Tell me, Thomas, why you're doing this and what you hope to accomplish. Um, I'm doing this to, to stop my tics uh-huh. and um, improve my and reach for my nose. Uh-huh. So... When he finished. So this is Thomas, and Thomas is now completely done with myofunctional therapy. And can you tell me not doing it? What yeah. your thoughts are about it, how it's helped you? When I first started, my head was really forward, and um, my eyes were taking almost every three seconds. And um, over the over this time that I've been with Joy, I've really improved. 
Um, as you can see right now, I'm uh, blinking with both my eyes, not blinking anymore. How's your sleep and all this? Um, so I used to snore and, um, and sleep on my side and that affected my sleeping, well, sleeping and, uh, breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, now um, you're sleeping pretty well. Yeah. You're sleeping on your back and, and breathing through your nose all the time too, right? Yeah. Can you swivel your chair so we can just take a look at your posture? Wow. Mm. He really improved, but. Older people will improve too. You can see this lady, how she always looked sad. She had mm -hmm. a body. And she kept getting looking better. Wow. Changed the function. Yeah. So this is one of our exercises. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> this is making the lower jaw come down forward and up. It's working all the face muscles, it's working the tongue. Mm, okay. It's almost there. Oh, Megan, Dr. B, neck and neck. <laughs> neck and neck. <laughs> He's a doctor at the University of Pennsylvania. So these are some of the tools we use, Myomunchi, which allows the child to chew. They like it, feels good. And the froggy mouth, which is a great product that actually will enable the um, back of the tongue to work when it's in there. It's a passive exerciser. It's called froggy mouth. And can adults use froggy mouth? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and then what about that's, the tongue gym? Oh yeah, that's that's a, a really neat. Uh, uh, product that is it helps to stretch because it goes under the tongue mm -hmm. and it helps okay. stretch the tongue oh okay it's, those are some tools that you can do but the best thing is to when you're dealing with with children so, okay the best, so the best thing is to teach the child to breathe through their nose and this breathing re-education or retraining is, is so critical for children because yeah. it can change so many things. When you breathe through your nose, the air is filtered, it's humidified, it's sterilized, it's, um, it's, you get more oxygen when you breathe through your nose. And children don't know that. What happens is they go to nursery school and they're get, they get hit with all this bacteria and they come home with their first cold <clears throat> and their mouth breathing and they get better as mommy makes them chicken soup and you know all the good things mm -hmm. but they still they forgot that their nose is for breathing and and that their mouth is for talking and eating so what a myofunctional therapist, the easiest thing to do is to look at a child when they're like this and say, did you know your nose is for breathing and smelling and your mouth is for talking and eating? And they right away will close their mouth. I mean, you have to constantly remind them, but after a while, they learn. And... Um, <clears throat> 
it doesn't take that long. There are a lot of little tricks that we do. You know, I call them the three D's. You know, a lot of kids are allergic to dust or they're sensitive to dust. Maybe they've gone to the allergist and they're just sensitive to dust. So you have to teach the mom to get the carpeting out of the bedroom, get covers for the pillows that are dust proof. They're 100% cotton. Okay. Uh, if the three D's are dust, dairy, do a do an experiment for one month. No, no dairy. Sometimes that's enough to just break it. All you talking all dairy or just cow milk? Um, all dairy. All dairy for a okay. month. Just for a month, okay. they can do you know oat milk or one of the other milks that are out there. Um, and there's there's great coconut yogurt and coconut things that mm-hmm. taste good. Um, so just just for one month, try no dairy. And so I said the three D's, dust, dairy, and animals. So if they have cats, dogs, get them out of the bedroom. Even if they're hypoallergic, they carry dust mites. So you want to get the animals out of the bedroom for a while, you know? Okay. I tell them, you know, the animals on a farm, they live in the barn. They don't live in your (laughs) So You just have to talk to kids on a kid-friendly level. But then you could do little simple exercises, potato breathing exercises, where you you have them hold their nose, keep their lips together. Mm-hmm. Move their head and count and see how many numbers they can count or how many steps they can take. And then when they have to breathe, they breathe through their nose. And the, pretty soon the brain gets it that you have to breathe through your nose. So it's really important that, that they use their diaphragm too. The diaphragm is a muscle that goes around the waist. Mm-hmm. What we do is Teach them to breathe with very small breath, but very low, so they're using their diaphragm and slow. And Do you teach them to put their hands on it so they know where it is? Yeah, our mom, mom can put their hand on the stomach and make make my hands move and, and you know, you go around the the back of them. Or lay on, have them lay on the couch and put a book on their belly and see if they mm-hmm. can use that book can go up. But you can retrain the breathing. It's really important. That's me at the Mayo Clinic. And, you know, a lot of schools are trying really hard to, you know, isolate the exercises and make them into, you know, proper. So we work in a team with the patient, with the patient. And, and it works. It should be considered the treatment of sleep disorder, breathing, malocclusion. What can a parent do? So a parent can find a pediatric dentist <clears throat> for their child that is airway focused. There are quite a few now that are starting to learn how to treat children early. Okay. That's really important. Uh, for children, for an older child or an adult, 
find a myofunctional therapist. I highly recommend it. You'll be light years ahead of the of the medical profession because the medical profession today is still in the dark ages. I, I just yeah. uh, listened to um, a sleep research meeting um, PowerPoint presentation. And there wasn't anything on retraining. It was a lot of cognitive behavior things, but nothing to do with breathing, just staying in bed, you know, don't get out of bed and wake up your mom, you know, that kind of, <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah, so, what is that? So reason why I know with my son, Brian, when he, he was little, my friends would say, what's wrong with him? You need to give him a spanking. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong with him. And I want to find out what it is and fix mm -hmm. it. So he has a chance in the world, you know, to learn and play and make friends. And, and thrive. Yeah. And that goes back to that advocacy thing that we talk about. Can we, can we go back a couple of slides? Because you mentioned something about this multi, that one, the multi- disciplinary yeah. well, it's, how, do, how do we get here I mean this is it's I, I know back it, it, so long ago we split off in med school and everybody goes and picks their path well how do we get back I mean the DOs are a dying breed so no one else is looking at it holistically I know you know Virginia Johnson doesn't have a whole lot of students with her so until we get more DOs how do we how do we get to this well <clears throat> it's the pediat the pediatricians are the ones that have to change because uh, parents listen to pediatricians. Mm -hmm. Pediatricians sure. first of all have to recognize tongue tie early. Okay. If you recognize it, and and when the baby's first born, and you release that tongue, and the mother's breastfeeding. It'll make breastfeeding so much more comfortable and easy to do. Mm -hmm, productive, right? Yeah, it takes so long to breastfeed a baby if they're tied. And maybe they'll get used, the mother gets used to it, you know, but it's it's not the way Mother Nature wanted it. Mm -hmm. And I get this question asked all the time, why are there so many tongue ties? Mm-hmm. You don't know. We think it's uh, the skulls are getting smaller and the tissue is still there. And I always say, when you live in civilization, you have to use what civilization offers to stay ahead of the problems. And getting your tongue release can make a huge difference. Now, if they're not breastfeeding anymore, you need to do myofunctional therapy or wait till the child's at least two and a half to three where they can do some exercises. Okay. If you cut it when they're, say they're one and a half and they're not breastfeeding anymore, you've got a big chance that it's going to scar down. It's going to reattach with scar tissue. Okay. Uh, and so if you can do it at the at the first the first five days, you know, right. time. If it's too late for that, then wait till they're two and a half until they can start doing some exercises that are fun. The kids like mm -hmm. doing the myofunctional therapy exercises. Yeah. 
It's hard you, to find a good myofunctional therapist. If you go to AOMT, uh, we have a real good training uh, that that will enable a speech pathologist or a hygienist or a physical therapist or a occupational therapist to get good training. There are some people that teach with the IAOM that have good programs as well. Um, but find somebody if you can. If, if you can't find anybody, you can find people online to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I have my own office and I prefer people to come in person. But if they can't come, I do. I'd say with COVID, I'd say three quarters of my patients were on Zoom. Oh, wow. We did good. We did really well. I stayed open through the whole thing. Um, but uh, which is impressive. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of them are telepractice now because it's it's um, patients don't want to drive and interact with people anymore. Well, and it's easier too with kids. It's just easier. You you bring them from school. You could do this and then carry on. Mm-hmm. And. A good therapist will make it fun and and play with the child to make it not feel like a chore, but they can hold things in their mouth while they watch TV. Uh, We teach proper chewing. Mm -hmm. So both sides. sides And chew it until it's real soft and then teach them how to gather the bolus and swallow correctly. Uh, We also... uh, teach them to breathe through their nose and why mm-hmm. it's important. You know, it depends on the age of the, the child. If they're in sports, this will totally improve their sports performance. So a lot of kids will do it for that. A lot of kids are looking at how they look, especially teenage teenagers. They, they want their lower jaw to come forward. Mm-hmm. They want definition in their face. Um, they want straight teeth. They want their teeth to be straight or to stay straight, you know. Mm-hmm. And they want no pain. They want to get rid of their headaches. They want to be able to go to sleep at night without crying for an hour in bed and screaming, I don't want to go to sleep, you know, mm. waking their parents up. That's it's heartbreaking. A family disease. It is. It is a family disease. It's not just the child. No. The repercussions are with everyone. Everyone and other siblings, everyone. And that's how and do, Mark got involved because he saw what happened. Ah. Yeah. And that makes that makes total sense. That makes total sense. And and I will definitely put because Brian had a headache. <laughs> oh. And I'll put links to the AOMT and the IOM in our show notes so people can go and check it out and just you know quickly do you do you recommend if you have a child um you know specifically a tongue tie uh, an older child obviously uh, an infant's not going to have this option but to do myofunctional therapy before and after yeah you have to because <clears throat> if you don't do anything before and mm-hmm. you cut it it's going to reattach. You're not going to get as good of treatment. 
if you stretch the tongue, get the tongue stretched to the limit and then release it, then you'll be able to get the better result. Okay, which makes sense. And then afterwards, you'll do follow-up exercises. Okay, just to keep it and make sure... Yeah, we usually do at least a month of therapy first. And then we have specialized post-surgery exercises. And then we go into the the regular therapy. The therapy that I do, I would see him weekly for about three months. And then Mm -hmm. other week for a couple of months. And then every three weeks. And we slowly titrate over a period of time to make sure that it's habituated. There's okay. First, we isolate and activate all the muscles of the tongue, and we go into proper chewing and swallowing, even in your sleep, how you swallow. And mm. Work on posture, re-education. Once the tongue is free, you can change the first three vertebrae. Everything, which is amazing to me. And then and once it's done, it's done though. You don't have yeah, to, you know, this, no. these aren't exercises they have to do for the rest of their no, lives. No, no, because you changed the function. Right. It's just kind of innate at that point. Right. So just, and I know this is a, a um, it's really an opinion, but, um, you know, we're starting to see, it, it feels like, I mean, I know this has been a slow motion. You know, this started 10 years ago, but suddenly it feels like, this conversation is being moved to the forefront and we're, we're having more conversations about breathing and airway and sleep, especially when it comes to children. Where do you think we're going to be as far as medicine in the next five to 10 years? Well, we have the science now and we're getting more and more and more science. The problem is it takes a doctor 10 years to accept anything new coming along, Mm. Uh, they have to hear it again and again. They have to see it at their conventions. They have to read it in their journals. They have to have a child that has that problem themselves. And then they start owning it, you know, like one doctor at a time is gonna, but I see eventually myofunctional therapy will be its own Program Right now, it's postgraduate training for speech pathologists, dental hygienists, um, physical therapists, occupational therapists, doctors, dentists, you know, chiropractors. But it needs to be its own program and it needs to encompass everything, you know, the pulmonology, the, the dentistry, and it needs to be involved in everything. And it, it's it kind of on that DO track right. to where it needs to be. It's own profession and <clears throat> maybe a master's program. And, but that takes time. It takes time to yeah. add a new type of therapy because we're dealing with the insurance companies. We're dealing with uh-huh. you know, a lot of resistance because people are making a lot of money with pharmaceuticals and making a lot of money with surgeries and making a lot Attractive of Attractive braces. <laughs> yeah. yep. Not that braces are bad, but you want to get the function and the structure working together at the same uh-huh. time. 
before you put on retractive braces and we pull it all back and just compound the issue. Yeah, you don't want to extract permanent teeth. The ideal is to have all 32 of your teeth, even the wisdom teeth, to have the arches develop. And eventually they're going to find ways to do that uh, forever. We're going to be in a flux, a big change because of sleep disorders. Sleep disorders affect so many people, Uh you know, car accidents and all of that. So we need to really up the ante here. Agreed. Agreed. So at the end of every episode, I I am in the habit of, I mean, I, I know we've, we just did this amazing presentation, but just to hand it back so that you have the last word to leave with parents. Um, so maybe whatever we haven't covered or just what you think is just the critical, important piece to leave them with. That the old fashioned way was the best, you know, as far as breastfeeding and letting a baby eat off of your plate. Um, and it's change. If, even if your child is 17 years old, there's still hope because it's worse now than it ever was. And I think a lot of it is you're adding computers and cell phones and texting and oh yeah, heavy backpacks that weigh 60 pounds on their back and then and they're texting while they walk and mm-hmm. you know the the assaults are different now when processed foods and chemicals and artificial meat and, you know, to eat real food is best and to value sleep and uh, try to support sleep habits that are good. Um, breathing is key, key to everything. Eating key to everything. Eating real food, um, of course, breastfeeding when when you have baby as long as possible. If you have a problem with breastfeeding, it's generally a tongue tie, and there are help with lactation consultants out there and people that are doing baby myo uh, mm-hmm. all over to help prevent problem. Prevention is the key. Really, it's key. Prevention is key. It is. If we can catch it early, prevent it, and then, you know, support other people, other mothers to get the right treatment for their children as well. That's huge. I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing. I mean, at least I I would, I would imagine other parents will think the same thing, but it was like just this little mini masterclass in Mayo. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joy. My, um, my website, Mm -hmm. you know, com. Okay. I'd be happy to answer any questions for you. Absolutely. I will put that on there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to today's guest, Joy Muller, for sharing her medical insight, and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. 
You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone.